Sunday night football. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. Now he's got an entourage. And he's lost middle. Yes. Got his Welcome to NFL Picks with Gabe. It is week six. It is time for the week six picks with Gabe. This is an Everything Burrito production. Caleb behind the boards as always. Encourage you to go check out the Everything Burrito podcast if you haven't done that. But otherwise, uh, thank you for joining me on the NFL Picks with Gabe pod. Uh, We got a lot to get to, but before we get into it, want to make a note of how last week went. How did we do? Well, uh, some good news and some bad news. Good news. 11-2 and two straight up. 11-2 and two on our picks. I am extremely happy about that. <clears throat> we'll take 11-2 and two any week straight up. Bad news. Against the spread. 6-7. and seven. We took way too many uh, teams to lose but cover. Uh, that's an issue that I'll address moving forward. Six and seven against the spread, unacceptable. Still for the uh, season, we're 32 and 28 against the spread, and we're now 44, 15 and one straight up. So uh, we got some things to correct, and we're going to work on it this week. Uh, let's get into the games. This weekend's games, a lot of exciting things to get to. We'll see which games are played and which games aren't, because that is becoming more and more of a reality in this world that we live in. Um, some teams have had some COVID activity and it leads me to believe that possibly some of these games won't be played. We'll see. We're going to predict each game as if it's going to be played. So the first game we're coming to is Atlanta at Minnesota. There's been a little change in Atlanta. No more Dan Quinn. And now we've been addressing this for a while now. Dan Quinn had lost that team. They, since they, they gave up that Super Bowl when they were up 28 to three and let New England come all the way back, basically they've been in, a, in an extended years long hangover from that Super Bowl loss and it really hadn't let up. And so Atlanta is coming in here, a five loss team. They are, they're 0 five for the talent that's on that roster for the the implied talent that's on the roster I should say because I don't I think Atlanta's a little overrated and they've had some injuries uh specifically I want to say Julio Jones not being 100% has been probably the biggest factor in their five loss start offensively but along with that uh Atlanta really should they obviously should not be a five loss team at this point um Raheem Morris comes in replaces Dan Quinn Morris has some head coaching experience in Tampa. That's really not that significant. Uh, But a a coaching change, just like a quarterback change, can oftentimes motivate a team. So Minnesota now here is dealing with that change. Quinn is out. Morris is in. A new regime. Now, now Morris has been with the, the team for six years, so it's not like this is a new voice in here. But it's a change. And oftentimes, changes are helpful. You're looking at Matt Ryan here facing up against a Minnesota secondary that has been plagued by injuries and inconsistency. I fully expect uh, Matt Ryan to be able to take advantage of that matchup against uh, poor defensive backs. Of course, on the other side of the ball, Kirk Cousins has the exact same situation presenting itself. Uh, Atlanta's defense, Atlanta's defensive backs have played very poorly and they have 
uh, a variety of injuries there. And I think Cousins will take advantage of that, especially since we've seen a spectacular emergence of uh, his second wide receiver, Justin Jefferson. And so, you know, both teams are going to get some points. Um, Julio Jones, we don't know his health. He's still questionable coming into this one. Now, he's been playing, but he's been playing injured. And he's almost been kind of on a pitch count. And really, uh, Gage and Ridley, just they aren't the same guy as Julio Jones. So Julio's health is a huge factor in this one. But another player's health comes into the equation. That's Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook out, Alexander Madison in for running back uh, for the Vikings. Madison looked great against Seattle, but you have to admit that he's a clear downgrade from Dalvin Cook. With that factored in, and thinking about the coaching change, and thinking about Matt Ryan being able to take advantage of a poor secondary in Minnesota, Minnesota favored by three and a half here, I'm going to go Atlanta 38, uh, Vikings 30, and so I'm going to take Atlanta against the spread, and to win this one straight up. So we're getting an underdog to win straight up right off the bat, and that takes us to our second matchup of the week, Chicago at Carolina. Chicago has been a team that has just kind of had the magic this year. That magic mostly being Nick Foles, I think. Uh, Chicago looking quite good. Their defense looking rejuvenated, and they're just playing good football right now. Now, Carolina, on the other hand, yes, they're playing very well, too. Uh, They're still down Christian McCaffrey. Uh, We don't know when McCaffrey's coming back. Uh, You hope it's soon. Um, But in the meantime, Teddy Teddy Bridgewater's playing great football. He's playing tremendous football. And he's got some great targets here. DJ, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson have both been playing very, very well. And Mike Davis filling in for Christian McCaffrey, while he's not as explosive and not quite the player McCaffrey is in the passing game, he has been a very solid uh, backup and has really risen to the occasion here. Now, uh, for Chicago, you know, uh, they have injuries as well. Terry Cohen is out. Uh, David Montgomery has been uh, essentially taking all of those touches from Terry Cohen. And Montgomery is just not a dynamic player, but he's a plotter. He can get it done. I really think this game in many ways comes down to Nick Foles' ability to capitalize on a good defensive performance. You saw that against Tampa Bay. Uh, You've basically seen that every time Nick Foles has been in the game for the Bears. He is a quarterback that knows how to take advantage. He'll score just enough points to get the win. Foles is a winner. Now, I I like what Matt Rule's doing in Carolina. Uh, They're dealing with a couple injuries in the secondary, Dante Jackson. And and I really think Foles is in a spot where he can take advantage of that, get the ball out to Anthony Miller and Allen Robinson. And I I believe in Nick Foles. So for the second game in a row, we're going the straight up and the spread underdog Chicago. We're going to say Chicago's going to win 27-24. Carolina favored in this one by two and a half. So we're taking Chicago on all fronts. Let's talk about Cleveland at Pittsburgh. Now, you'll remember that the last time Cleveland and Pittsburgh played, it was the game where Miles Garrett uh, assaulted Mason Rudolph, uh, trying to hit him with his own helmet. And there's been much said about that. And certainly, this will play out as a grudge match 
so to speak, but for both teams, I'm sure. Um, Miles Garrett, I expect him to have a huge game because he's very motivated to play. And Cleveland in general is, is going to be a very fired up team. There's a few factors going against Cleveland here, though. Uh, Baker Mayfield is questionable for this game. That That is a huge deal because he needs to be able to move around to get away from the Steelers' rush. The Steelers have a pass rush that includes Bud Dupree and TJ Watt and Cameron Hayward and even like Mike Hilton off the edge and Minka Fitzpatrick and and then they have all those ball hawks in the secondary and they got Vince Williams if they want to you know run that double A gap thing and, and Devin Bush and they just have a fantastic defense and you can't come into it banged up. Mayfield's going to get hit and he's going to struggle for that reason. Especially so because I have a hard time picturing Kareem Hunt really running the ball effectively against this Steelers stop unit. The Steelers have an elite defense. Now, true, Philadelphia was able to put up some points on him last week. A lot of that credit goes to Doug Peterson for quality play calls. So I'm going to give Doug Peterson the, the, the credit there, and I'm going to say Cleveland is going to struggle uh, to get their their ground game established, and that's what they do best. Even uh, they like to set up the passing game with the ground game. Uh, they're a team that put up 300 yards in the ground uh, a few weeks back against Dallas. That's what Cleveland likes to do offensively. They won't be able to do it against Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh's offense is rolling. Chase Claypool scored four touchdowns last Sunday. Four. Uh, along with them, you have Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster and James Washington and James Conner. They just have an embarrassment of riches on offense. Now, I'm not saying that Cleveland's pass rush won't get home every once in a while, but Pittsburgh's going to put up points in this one. So we're going to Pittsburgh to win this one 40-28 over Cleveland. Pittsburgh's three-and-a-half-point favorites. I feel comfortable taking them both against the spread and straight up. Cincinnati at Indianapolis. Indianapolis has one of the top defenses in the game. Uh, Cincinnati looked flat against Baltimore. Baltimore's defense is quite good, uh, but I think Indianapolis's might even be better. Um, so Cincinnati here is going to struggle. B- Joe Burrow has played very, very well. They're doing a solid job of getting Joe Mixon involved in the pass game. I love Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins on the outside. But you got a team here in Indianapolis with Xavier Rhodes. And Xavier Rhodes has been shutting down half the field. I don't know what happened to this guy because he looked like trash in Minnesota. And now suddenly he's resurgent in Indianapolis. He is looking so, so good. And he's going to shut down the field. He's going to shut down half the field. You got Justin Houston getting after the quarterback. That indie defense, uh, Darius Leonard, these guys, they are looking so, so good. And Indianapolis on offense, while Phillip Rivers has been less than what you would have hoped coming into the year if you're Indianapolis, and yet he's collecting some yards. Jonathan Taylor is, is doing very solid in the ground game. The offensive line is able to churn the game away. And especially in this game, they match up extremely well. And here's why. Because Mike Daniels and DJ Reader are on IR. That means that Geno Atkins and no one else is up front for Cincinnati. Um, You have a Cincinnati team that's very banged up in their front seven. 
Uh, Josh Bynes is is going to try to do his best there to to keep the middle linebacker spot and you know take take Taylor out. I, they're going to be challenged. I think if Indianapolis just runs the ball, plays conservatively, and limits the Rivers' turnovers, you're going to see an Indianapolis defense be able to dominate this game. And I just don't think Burrow is going to be able to do enough to keep up. So I'm projecting Indianapolis 27, Cincinnati 17 in this game. Uh, Indianapolis, according to ESPN's Pigskin Pick'em, 7.5 point favorites. So we're going to take Indy to cover and to win straight up. That takes us to a game that got canceled last week because of COVID, and it's moved to this week, um, which is kind of interesting. Both teams would have been without their starting quarterback probably last week. Um, This is Denver at New England, by the way. Denver at New England. Both teams probably would have been without their starting quarterbacks last week. This week, it looks like both Cam Newton and Drew Locke will be Uh, suiting up for their respective franchises. So that's a a really good thing for our entertainment value here because Cam Newton uh, with New England has been a lot of fun to watch. And the reason why is because he doesn't have a ton of weapons on offense, but he is the weapon. And Newton is making things happen. Newton has been the single biggest difference between New England being just a pretty average team and being a playoff caliber team this year so he's going to play well Denver is very injured and they might I'm not sure they might get AJ Bouye back for this game I don't really think it'll matter because New England's not going to attack you through the pass unless they have a ridiculously good matchup so what New England's going to do they're going to use Cam Newton on the ground Um, assuming that he's fully recovered from COVID, and Damian Harris, who looked very, very good against Kansas City. And they're just going to use those guys, and they're going to get after it. That takes us over to Denver's side of the ball. Now, Drew Locke will be starting this one, not Brett Rippon, and that's good for for Denver. But Drew Locke is a second-year quarterback, almost like a rookie quarterback, and Belichick eats rookie quarterbacks alive. Belichick eats young quarterbacks alive. And he's going to be in a prime spot here to do so because Denver will be without Cortland Sutton as they have been all year uh, or for the majority of the year. And Noah Fant, the young tight end, will be out of this game. Uh, Denver's dealing with a lot of injuries on offense. So Belichick is going to be able to pressure uh, Drew Locke And he's going to be able to lock down single coverage with all of Denver's receivers so that he can really get after the quarterback. You're going to see free rushers, guys like uh, Jawan Bentley and Chase Winovich, just getting after it. In the meantime, in the secondary, Jonathan Jones and Stephon Gilmore, again, assuming he's back from his COVID. uh, J.C. Jackson, these guys, they're going to be getting after it for, for New England. So I just, this is going to be a tough game for Denver. Denver as well, um, because of an off-the-field incident, uh, Melvin Gordon might not be going for them. So then maybe it's just Philip Lindsay. This just looks like too much of a perfect storm for Belichick to be able to uh, really scheme very well. And although, you know, Denver has some good pieces on defense that I like, like Purcell and Shelby Harris and Justin Simmons. I just don't think it's going to be enough to, to keep the offense in the game because the offense for Denver just won't put up points. 
So I'm going to say uh, New England 23, Denver 13 in this one. Uh, a comfortable win for New England. New England, of course, favored by 8.5 according to the pigskin pick'em. And so we're going to take New England to cover that spread and uh, to win straight up. Baltimore at Philadelphia. Baltimore has not played up to its own standards offensively for most of the season. And, and honestly, defensively for most of the season. But we saw their defense come alive against Cincinnati. Uh, against Cincinnati, this team got tons of sacks. They put constant pressure. They locked down the run game. And now they're facing a Philadelphia team that has been very inconsistent offensively. Carson Wentz has done everything he can to try to carry that team, uh, but they've just been incredibly inconsistent. Their offensive line has been uh, very injured throughout the season. So Philadelphia is going to have a hard time moving the ball on a tough Ravens defense. Miles Sanders, he he had one like really long run against Pittsburgh. But otherwise, you know, we really haven't seen like a consistent grinded out game with Miles Sanders, and I don't believe that this is going to be a game like that either. So that puts a lot of pressure on Wentz to go get it. Deshaun Jackson's probably going to be back for this game. I don't know how much difference that'll make because Baltimore has Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters out there as cornerbacks, and they can shut you down. And then, you know, they're, they're rushing with Matthew Judon and Calais Campbell, and Baltimore is... Basically, defensively, if they're coming into their own, if what we saw against Cincinnati continues to get rolling, Philadelphia is in huge trouble. Baltimore on offense hasn't been themselves. Lamar Jackson was hurt coming into last week, barely ran the ball last week, which is very atypical, and yet they put up a a comfortable 29 and they looked fine. Philadelphia's defense, the strength of that defense for Philadelphia is in the front four. You've got an exceptional front four there, uh, Fletcher Cox and Derek Barnett, um, Brandon Graham and, and some of these others, exceptional front line, uh, but their linebackers in their secondary uh, just don't have it. So even if Jackson is still not quite fully healthy and he's not able to go completely in this game, I still see Baltimore uh, really running up the score here because if Jackson can just sit back in the pocket and toss it downfield as Mark uh, Andrews beats the the linebackers over the middle and Willie Sneed and Hollywood Brown get open deep. It just seems like it's it's a good spot for Baltimore to roll here. Um, I'm taking Baltimore to get a, a very defined victory. I'm going to go 37-14 over Philly. Baltimore favored by 7.5. So again, I see them comfortably covering the spread and taking home the victory. Detroit at Jacksonville. Now, this is a matchup between two teams with solid quarterbacks. And since both quarterbacks are solid, I could see this game going either way. I really could. Um, Detroit's favored in this one by three and a half points. And that's fair uh, because Detroit has uh, Kenny Galladay back. And that's making a huge difference for Matthew Stafford. I'm not sure that Detroit knows how to use their weapons because really they should be incorporating DeAndre Swift more. Um, They're running Adrian Peterson a lot. I'm not really sure if that's wise. 
But with Galladay back and Marvin Jones and TJ Hawkinson, they have a very talented offense. And that offense is going to be able to get some points because Jacksonville's defense leaves a lot to be desired. But a really similar thing could be said on the other side of the ball. In fact, these two teams are kind of mirror images of each other. Gardner Minshew, a very good quarterback, very underrated in many circles yet, um, he got DJ Chark back. And when DJ Chark is healthy, Gardner Minshew and Jacksonville's offense cooks. They do very, very well. It opens things up for James Robinson in the run game. LaVisca Chenault has been very, very good, uh, especially when Chark has been healthy. So Jacksonville is going to do well in that area. Detroit's secondary is still young, inexperienced. Jeffrey Okuda is good, but he's young and inexperienced. He's not going to be able to shut Chark down. And so I think both of these teams are going to be able to put up a few points and, and have some pretty solid days offensively. I do think I'm going to give the edge to Detroit just because of Stafford. I'm going to say Stafford's experience trumps uh, Gardner Minshew uh, in this one. So I'm going to take Detroit to win 31-28. Now, like we mentioned, Detroit's a three and a half point favorite. So uh, this is one of the few. I'm going to take Jacksonville to cover that tight spread um, because I'm, I'm going Detroit 31, Jacksonville 28. So Jacksonville covers, but Detroit gets the victory. Let's talk about a truly horrendous game between two terrible teams, Washington at New York Giants. So the Washington Football Club has made a giant blunder of their quarterback situation. Uh, Of course, they bench Dwayne Haskins, a young guy, got a lot of potential yet. Seems like he's he's been doing all right. He's been hanging in there. They bench him in favor of Kyle Allen. Allen goes out with a concussion, and then Alex Smith comes in. Alex Smith, now this is a great story. I'm so happy for Alex Smith getting back to playing quarterback in the NFL after what he went through with that broken leg. It's an unbelievable story. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But... Just sadly, he is not a good quarterback right now. He's a check down Charlie. He doesn't have any good targets to throw to outside of Terry McLaurin, and he couldn't get him the ball. And yeah, he just held on to the ball and took sacks. Um, In this game, it'll probably be Kyle Allen starting as long as he clears protocol. And that's fine. I I can't really picture Kyle Allen doing a ton. Uh, in, in this game in order to, to really get the offense moving. Uh, New York's defense has been quite solid for the most part. Uh, it's really on offense that New York has struggled. Now you might say, well, New York looked okay offensively against Dallas. No, they didn't because the Dallas defense is so putrid. If you don't hang 40 on them, you had a bad game. So Daniel Jones um, really couldn't get it done against Dallas. And Devontae Freeman looks done. Uh, I don't I don't like this New York team at all, but they have a few weapons at least. They have Darius Slayton, they have Golden Tate, and and I think their defense is solid enough. See, Washington has an okay defense too, but mostly their their strength is in the front four and they can be exploited in their secondary and in their linebacking core. So New York, I, I'm gonna take them in this one. I, I just, I don't, honestly, I don't want to take either team in this game because they're both terrible. But uh, I'm going to take the Giants to win over the Washington football team, and I'm going to say 21 17 Giants. 
the Giants are favored by two and a half in this one. So, yeah, we're taking the Giants to win straight up and to beat the spread. Houston at Tennessee. That's our next game. Houston, obviously, with the the Bill O'Brien departure, the the firing of Bill O'Brien and bringing in Romeo Cornell, that did some really positive things for their football team. And you saw a different team uh, with the Texans last week than you did prior to the departure of Bill O'Brien. So will we see that same team? Well, maybe, um, because I, I do think this team, they had quit on Bill O'Brien and, and they um, really have come through since he's gone. However, you're running into a Titans team here that is very, very good. The Titans may have been a little underrated, and you saw that because Buffalo was is a very good team, and yet Tennessee embarrassed Buffalo. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is doing very, very well. He's a good quarterback. He's very solid. And he's a he's a very good quarterback when he has a good run game. And Derrick Henry is heading back into beast mode these days. So, you know, you got that going for you. And then A.J. Brown is healthy. And that's a big deal for the Titans. Because A.J. Brown is a receiver that that can really put you over the top. Now, in this game, Bradley Roby will be trying to shut him down. I don't see that being successful. I think Houston's just overmatched. They they have a few elements defensively, J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless, but really, for the most part, Tennessee is a very complete offense, and they know how to use that offense, and they're going to put up points. Houston, uh, on on defense, um, just, just doesn't have the pieces there. They're not able to do that. Um, Tennessee... Uh, defensively they're they're a no-name defense right they don't have these these named guys outside of maybe Jadavian Clowney which is strange because Clowney isn't even a sack producer um but really Tennessee's defense it can get it done so Deshaun Watson's going to have his hands full he has I, I keep talking about this he has like four number two receivers on his team and last week Brandon Cooks really stepped up so that was great but you just can't rely on any one of these guys week to week. And David Johnson is done. He is through as a primary back. So I think Watson just is overmatched in trying to keep up in this game. And I don't think he's going to be able to do that. I'm taking Tennessee to win this one pretty easily. I'm saying Tennessee 37, Houston 24. And Tennessee is five and a half point uh, favorites. And they're going to take it. So I'm taking them against the spread and straight up. New York Jets at Miami Dolphins. News out of New York uh, today is Lev Bell is gone. He's been cut. Which, of course, why would you want to keep your best offensive player? Why would you want to keep a, a running back that actually is somebody that defensive coordinators have to scheme against? Why Why on earth would you want to do that if you're the New York Jets? Because this team is essentially tanking. Um they have nobody on offense. Their offense is a disgrace to football. And the Miami Dolphins are rolling. They just took out the San Francisco 49ers in dominant fashion. And now they get the Jets. I can only imagine the game that Ryan Fitzpatrick is about to have in this one. Um, it doesn't matter if Miles Gaskin gets going or not. And I'm not saying that the Jets defense isn't trying hard. Uh, but it's like, Okay, they they traded away Jamal Adams. They've got nothing left on defense, and, and now they've cut 
Le'Veon Bell. They've got nothing on offense. Um, yeah, Devontae Parker's going to have a big game. You know that. You know that the Miami offense is going to roll. And defensively for Miami, you know, just matching up against this Jets squad, you've got just all these pieces that you can move anywhere if you're the Miami Dolphins. You got Jerome Baker, you got you're gonna shut down the Jets receivers because Byron Jones and Xavier Howard are both elite uh corners. And and so really uh the Jets have nowhere to go offensively. And even if they did, even if they did have weapons, your quarterback in this game, as a New York Jets fan, your quarterback is Joe Flacco. Um, and, and it's, it's 2020, it's not 2012, it's, it's, it's 2020 and you're starting Joe Flacco at quarterback. Now I, I get it. Sam Darnold's injured. Uh, he's injured right now and that's, that's all well and good, but Joe Flacco is just not going to get it done. Um, the jets are going to be lucky to score. <laughs> they're going to be lucky to score 10 points in this one. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Miami 39 uh, Jets, uh, 10 in this one, uh, Miami favored by eight and a half. Um, yeah, if, you, if you're taking the Jets, I mean, I would love to know why, um, because Miami, yeah, just destroyed San Francisco and the Jets are clearly a weaker opponent. So yeah, definitely taking Miami straight up and against the spread. Green Bay at Tampa Bay, the battle of the bays. This is one we've been looking forward to mostly for the, the Brady versus Rodgers action. But uh, the thing here is you're not really getting vintage Brady, so this one's going to disappoint a little bit. If Bruce Arians knows how to coach, which I have questions on this because he refuses to adapt his scheme to what Brady's current skill set is. So to me, that's a bad coach. Um, but if Arians knows how to coach, he, he's going to change some things here. He's going to change some things so that Brady doesn't have to be yelling at his guys on the sidelines looking like uh, a spoiled sweet 16 white girl um, because her her party didn't go the way she wanted. I don't know. Brady just looked like a a buffoon, right? And Arians is not coaching him well. So Tampa needs to adapt their offense to their their current skill set. Um, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin have been banged up this year. I get that's a huge problem for them. Uh, at the same time, they could have way more success if they leaned on the shorter passing game and on their run game, uh, which could be there. And really in this one, Green Bay's run defense could be exploited, but I just don't think Arians is smart enough to do that. Uh, when you're looking at Green Bay, you're looking at a team who's going to struggle to run the ball despite the fact that Vita Villa is out of this game because Tampa has a very stout front seven. Um, where where they're weak, though, is in their back, uh, their defensive backfield. And with that in mind, Aaron Rodgers is going to light them up. Aaron Rodgers has lit up everybody he's faced so far this year, and now he's getting Devontae Adams back. So... Think about how that changes the situation for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So now you got Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean uh, covering Adams and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Now what are you going to do about Aaron Jones? How are you going to stop Jamal Williams in the passing game? How are you going to stop Robert Tanyan in the passing game? So 
the Packers have lit everybody up without Devontae Adams. You're adding him back to this equation versus a weak secondary, and Rodgers is going to tear this game up. So I expect to see the Packers get out to an early lead. I expect to see them try to run the ball, to take some of the air out of the ball, and I expect to see Brady valiantly try to bring Tampa back, but be a little too little, a little too late. So we're going uh, Green Bay 31, Tampa 24 in this one. Green Bay favored here by a point and a half. I'll comfortably take uh, Green Bay against the spread and straight up. Here's an interesting game. Los Angeles Rams at San Francisco 49ers. You've got a McVeigh versus Shanahan. You've got uh, Jared Goff versus Jimmy Garoppolo, assuming Garoppolo starts this one and isn't benched in favor of C.J. Beathard. But Goff and Garoppolo, kind of similar quarterbacks. Um, in fact, they're, they're both Super Bowl losers. These teams are both Super Bowl losers. Uh, teams that, that looked really dominant at stretches, both offensively and defensively, but their quarterback has been inconsistent and they haven't managed to string wins together. Both teams also use backfields by committee. And for San Francisco, that means a lot of Raheem Mostert, maybe a little Jarek McKinnon and Jeffrey Wilson in this one. And for the Rams, that means Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown, and Cam Akers. Um, I just think the Rams have more weapons offensively because of Cop and Woods on the outside, uh, Higby and Everett at tight end. They just have more weapons offensively. Goff has been more consistent in his play, and the Rams' defense has played very, very well. San Francisco, on the other hand, it, it's not that they don't have a good core. It's just that the injuries have decimated their defense to a point where um, they don't have a pass rush like they used to. Kerry Hyder's doing his best there, but he's not Nick Bosa. He's not Solomon Thomas. And with Richard Sherman out, uh, the, the corners are struggling. And I think that the Rams are going to be able to pick uh, San Francisco apart in this one. Now, uh, McVeigh is a smart coach. He knows when to run the ball and when not to. I think he's going to go with a run-heavy approach. Again, he's going to try to keep this one a low-scoring affair because he recognizes that uh, he, he doesn't want the 49ers to be able to have the luxury of running the ball. That's where the 49ers are dangerous. They're dangerous when Mostert has the ball in his hands, not when Jimmy G has the ball in his hands. So in this one, I expect it to be a little bit of a low-scoring affair. I expect to see both defenses play pretty well, but I expect to see the Rams make more plays with their playmakers. And I'm going to go Rams 20, 49ers 13 in this one. Kansas City at Buffalo. This looked like a way more intriguing matchup prior to both teams losing last week. So it'll be interesting to see how both teams recover. Kansas City, I, I'm a huge fan of the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I love this team. I love the way they're built. I love Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I love Patrick Mahomes. I love watching this team play. And Buffalo's defense really is good as I was impressed by the Raiders' ability to get some pressure uh, on Mahomes. And it's tough to say is that because of Calicio Semele being injured for part of that game and the interior rush that came from that, and, and will the Chiefs be able to plug those holes? I don't know. But if, if we just take that Chiefs team that lost to the Raiders and the Buffalo team that lost to Tennessee uh, this week, 
I think you're looking at a situation where Kansas City played a pretty good game. They just ran into a Raiders team that's hot that knew what they were doing and that was hot. So, uh, and, and I guess you could say Tennessee was hot too. True. Uh, but the Bills got embarrassed. Uh, the, the Chiefs, they had a chance. They were hanging in there against the Raiders. So I like the Chiefs quite a bit in this one. I, th- I think they're going to get back on track. I like the Chiefs' defense. I, I know that they didn't look good against the Raiders, uh, but I think they were just, they got hit in the mouth. Gruden had a good game plan for him, and he exploited that secondary. And I, I know that secondary, they've been constantly adapting to different people out. Legereus Sneed out for this season. Bashad Breland was suspended. He's back now. So I think you're going to see Kansas City kind of uh, settle into a groove. And at a certain point, I think you're going to see Kansas City just overwhelm Buffalo with their weapons. Because I will always say this, you can't isolate on a single person for Kansas City. You got Mahomes back there, and he can look to Kelsey, and he can look to Hill, and he can look to Watkins, and he can look to Hardman, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And that's the thing, you can't shut down one because you got to worry about everybody in Kansas City. So I expect to see them rebound. Josh Allen in Buffalo has had a really good start to his season, but he looked bad against Tennessee. And I I just, I think the Chiefs, yeah, uh, they're not an elite defensive unit and Allen's going to be able to put up a few points on them. But Josh Allen's got to rediscover his mojo in this one. And I, I don't think he has what it takes to hang with Patrick Mahomes at this point in his career. So I'm taking Kansas City to win comfortably. Kansas City 35, Buffalo 24. Uh, So we're taking Kansas City to beat that three and a half point spread and to win straight up. Arizona at Dallas. This is the final game uh, that we're going to be predicting for this week. And Arizona has been a team that's been a little bit inconsistent. Um, But Kyler Murray, perfect path to to getting right on a schedule here. He, He just beat up the Jets. And now they get the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are a bad team. People haven't caught up with that fact yet, but they're a bad team. They were a bad team before Dak Prescott went down. And now they're a really bad team because now they have Andy Dalton at quarterback. And I don't hate Andy Dalton as a person, but I hate him as a football player. And here's why. Dalton can hamstring your offense. He's a guy, he's not going to put up terrible numbers or anything, but he's just going to play so conservative and he's not capable of pushing the ball down the field enough to take advantage of your weapons, which is a travesty when it comes to this Cowboys team because you have Michael Gallup, you have CeeDee Lamb, and you have Amari Cooper. Three incredibly talented weapons, but Dalton is going to frustrate a lot of people because he is not going to be able to take advantage of those weapons, or at least not when it counts. What I'm saying is Dalton might end end up putting up decent stats. But the only reason why Dalton will put up decent stats is because he's getting them in garbage time when his team is already being blown out. They're already being blown out because that Dallas Cowboys defense is atrocious. It's atrocious because they don't try hard enough. That's a terrible reason to be atrocious, but that's what you see. You look on film and you see a a team that isn't trying to tackle They're not trying to hustle. They're not in pursuit of these guys. And Kyler Murray, the Cardinals, DeAndre Hopkins is going to take advantage of that defense. Uh, Chase Edmonds is coming on. Kenyon Drake has not looked great 
but hey, this is as good of a get-right game as you could possibly have uh, with the Dallas Cowboys here. Um, if Mike McCarthy knows what he's doing, what he's going to do is play ball control with Ezekiel Elliott. He's going to give Elliott at least like 25, 30 carries and let him roll. I don't think McCarthy's smart. I think McCarthy believes he can run his offense the exact same way with Andy Dalton as he did with Dak Prescott. Why do I think that? I think that because you saw McCarthy do that in Green Bay. He's stubborn about this. That's why Brett Hundley was truly terrible. And that's why, well, that's not the only reason Brett Hundley was truly terrible, but it contributed to Green Bay being completely blown away by teams when their backup was starting because he was trying to run it with Aaron Rodgers' principles when it was Brett Hundley starting the game. And you're probably going to see something similar here with Dallas. So I'm taking Arizona to win this one pretty easily. I'm going to go Arizona 29, Dallas 23. And it's I don't, I don't think it's going to be maybe even that close, but I could see kind of a, a backdoor uh, touchdown at the end there from Dallas. Um, Arizona's only favored by two and a half in this one, so I'm very comfortable taking them uh, to win straight up and to beat the spread on this game. Let's very briefly talk about some fantasy implications for this weekend. I expect to see Matthew Stafford have a nice day against a weak Jacksonville defense. Uh, Kirk Cousins oftentimes is a quarterback that, that displays a little inconsistency. I think you're going to see him put up a pretty good show against a weak Atlanta team. Uh, but most of all, I believe in Fitz magic. And I think you're going to see uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick absolutely go off against a Jets defense that has nothing uh, in order to contain him. Uh, this week, I see really strong performance coming from Jonathan Taylor. Um, I would not be surprised at all to see him go well over 100 yards and uh, catch some passes as well. So that's definitely something to watch for. Uh, I think uh, you're going to see Raheem Mostert as the only viable uh, 49er uh, position player, um, maybe other than Kittle, but uh, I see Mostert having a really solid week as well. Uh, as far as the the wide receiver group, um, I think Lamar Jackson is going to be passing the ball more and, and choosing not to run the ball once again just to avoid injury. And so Hollywood Brown, really nice play against a weak Philadelphia secondary. And in harmony with Stafford's big week against Jacksonville, I think you're going to see Kenny Galladay have a nice week as well. Uh, moving on to tight ends, Janu Smith has been very, very good. Houston has a weak linebacker safety core, and so Janu Smith will have an opportunity to do very well against them. Uh, if you're looking to stream a defense um, this week, if Baltimore is out there, my goodness, Baltimore, right? because they really, really did very well last week. Uh, but as well, nice plays on the, the Indianapolis Colts or the Miami Dolphins going up against the putrid New York Jets. So that's everything I've got this week. Enjoy the weekend of football. Have a great day. This has been NFL Picks with Gabe, Week 6 on Everything Burrito Production.